0: So we have this script, and (laughs) Allie's is going to read the blue, and I'm going to read the pink. But she never reads the pink. We'll (laughs) let you know when we have a question for you, I guess. And so... um, And don't worry, we can edit things if needed, but... Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to use any bad words,
1: Allie, I swear. (laughs) Welcome to Code Orange, whether you're a doctor, nurse, therapist, tech, assistant, or admin. We've got you covered for the next 30 minutes spilling the dirt
0: on all things healthcare. I'm Allie. And I'm Paige. And thanks for joining us on this show as we talk to each other for your entertainment, education, and enjoyment. Hopefully.
1: This week on the show, our guest is Megan Lepicto, who is a physical therapist with a quite interesting background and expertise.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited about that. But before we welcome our guest formally, we'd like to start each um, podcast with a bit of current news, you know, something related to the healthcare world and always something that is kind of strange in our current time. So... Allie, uh, I have a surprise headline for you <laughs> that that the producer helped me come up with. So, what did, what do you have? Well, so recently, I believe it was in Orange County. Maybe there was actually an Uber driver who fell asleep at the wheel, <laughs> and his passenger died. Yeah, that's
1: horrible. Yeah.
0: It's horrible. So the reason I'm bringing it up is because, you know, sleep is such a big deal for people. (laughs) All right. No, don't talk about that again. We talked about it in the last episode. We won't go there. And so I just think it's kind of an interesting idea, you know, how... You know, thinking about patients laying in their hospital bed and people are coming in to poke them and wake them up every 15, 20 minutes, it seems like. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's interesting um, to think about how sleep plays a role in people healing, you know, and just Mm -hmm. like moving through the world. Yeah. Being a helpful human. We got to prioritize sleep, people. Yeah. What else do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, well, you're talking to two moms of toddlers, so sleep is definitely important, right, Megan? Oh, yeah. Sleep is,
2: <laughs> um, one thing I learned is with a toddler, just sleep helps with their immune system. Um, all yeah. the bugs they pick up and all the teething and yeah, everything that they yeah. kind of get throughout the day, sleep is kind of helpful to reset things and keep them healthy.
1: And for the parents and for everyone in general. And I think this world is so high speed that people are needing to work more, longer hours. And sleep is the first to go, too, when they're older adults.
0: Well, and just, like, go to bed and let your floors be a mess. And just let (laughs) them be a mess and go to sleep. That's my motto. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our floors are really gross right now. Well, hopefully you're well-rested. <laughs> I'm fairly well-rested, although our air conditioner quit last night, and I am not happy about that.
1: Ew. Well, Megan lives in sunny San Diego where you don't need air conditioning. Oh,
0: right. I oh, bet I you do still need
1: it.
2: I have my air conditioner on, but it's mainly because my kid is napping, and he gets the hottest room in the house. So.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, well. That's Thanks it. for that current event, Paige. It's hey, you're reminding me. us the importance of sleep. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Allie loves to take naps. <laughs> she does. The old me. She's the nap queen. <laughs> I am the Love nap queen.
0: <laughs> 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 Don't tell all my secrets, Megan. No, she's still... I think she's still, like, on the weekends, she'll... Yeah, I can tell she'll be like MIA from like one to three.
1: <laughs> That's what my kid's supposed to be. And napping. normally okay. she's like
0: right on it if you ever text her. I'm like, uh huh, I think she's asleep. <laughs> we don't yeah.
1: talk about Paige's sleep. Um. <laughs> Anyways, today on Code Orange, we want to welcome you, Megan, um, to the Mm -hmm. show. Thanks for calling in from sunny San Diego. Yes. Um, (laughs) And we like to start every interview with what we call a Code Orange moment. So as you know, um, working in the hospital or in any healthcare facility, Code Orange is often called when there's some kind of chemical spill, cleanup, um, external disaster, And so anyone that's ever worked in healthcare has had these types of situations um, that might be exceptionally messy, dangerous, or otherwise hazardous. So Megan, given your background that we haven't dived into, I know you have plenty of these stories. So go ahead and share the dirt with us. What do you got? Um, Yes, you're right. I do have many stories,
2: (laughs) but there's one story that kind of just Sticks out in my memory. If I think back, you know, years back when I started in rehab, I was active duty, but I was working as a physical therapy assistant. And at the time, I was working um, inpatient, and we worked a lot of um, stroke units um, and, you know, different floors. But the hospital that I was working at, We had a variety of different patients where it was technically an active duty hospital, but we would still see some retirees and just your basic Mm -hmm. veterans. Back then, I was kind of like a go-getter, hard charger, always trying to get my patients up out of bed, take them to the (laughs) bathroom if they needed, (laughs) do all the things. I was kind of known at the time as when I would go in the ICU, I'd always be getting patients up all the time. Um, Uh there was one patient that I, I had, he was an old retired Navy chief, just the biggest grouch. Um, he was in and out of the hospital for, for a number of things. Um, and he was my patient and the goal was to get him up. Um, this time when I had seen Uh him, he had a pretty recent stroke and was very deconditioned. Um, Mm -hmm. other assistants, other technicians, therapists were going in and were having really no luck. Um, It got to the point where he couldn't even stand, and we really had to work on transfers. So me being me at the time, it was my goal, my mission, to get him up. Um, I guess I didn't really do a thorough chart review. Um, I knew he had a catheter.
1: (laughs) That's not
0: like you. (laughs) That's about it. (laughs) Um, So...
2: The goal for the day was just to get him standing. You know, so we had our walker, we had everything in front. I think I enlisted the help of some Navy Corpsmen, which are kind of like medical assistants, but they're right there on the floors helping the nurses. Um, oh, a couple of them to kind of nice. help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. so the nurses. The nurses. <laughs> yes. They had helpers to help. So I think I had a, a Corpsman on one side, Corpsman on the other side. And then my goal was to. <laughs> help him stand in the front. So I was going to kind of lock his <laughs> knees out <laughs> into standing. So after like four or five attempts, you know, this chief was just not having it, was about to give up. Finally, we got him up, and my motivated self was down there in between his legs. I oh. pushed his, his legs into extension, and all I felt was this drip, drip of something oh. on the back of my neck. Yes. Um, Lo and behold, he had a colostomy bag that we had no idea, well, I had no idea existed at the time. <laughs> Again, making, goes back to my <laughs> poor chart <laughs> So in the, in the process of trying to <laughs> practice our sit-to-stands, the colostomy bag started to leak, and it was on the back oh. of my neck. Um, oh. yeah, to this day, I still think about it giving me
0: chills. <laughs> yeah. But we got him up. We got him in Sick. So, yeah, I didn't we even in know the story. <laughs> I bet the nurses were so thrilled with you. <laughs> oh yes, they welcome me
2: back anytime. You know, I had built a good rapport with them, but it was definitely um, an embarrassing moment for me. But it was yeah. So.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Was he with it enough to know what was happening? He did. He did. But he was at the point okay.
2: where. He He just—I had built a relationship with him, and he trusted me, and it Uh
1: just—it was not good. It was not good. Oh (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) You mission accomplished. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Too much. Too much. (laughs) Well, you kind of jumped us into the next um section too, where we get to kind of introduce you um mm-hmm. so thank you for sharing that story but on a more serious note um yes. let's go ahead and have you tell us about your story and how you've ended up where you are and where you started and along the way cuz you have a very interesting story
2: so i was i was working in physical therapy in the military but it was more of an assistant type role Um, and then went Mm -hmm. to physical therapy school once I got out of the military. Um, and I, as I was in the service, I kind of worked all realms of physical therapy. Um, and then it wasn't until I got into grad school that I, um, decided I wanted to specialize in, um, pelvic rehab. So pelvic Mm -hmm. health, physical therapy, treating men and women. Um, I was lucky enough to, um, get a rotation with a physical therapist my last year in school, whom I've worked with a long time ago when I was active duty. Um, and she mm-hmm. was only doing public health physical therapy at the time and really kind of solidified my um, interest in that growing uh, specialization within physical therapy. Um, mm-hmm. So after school, I took a job at UCSD here in San Diego, a hospital outpatient, um, and they had noticed that I had some experience in the public health field and were looking to start a program. Um, so I helped them kind of put that program into place. Um, so, with mm-hmm. public health physical therapy, uh, you're treating um, men and women patients for pelvic pain. Um, that could mm-hmm. be anything, you know, pelvic pain related or. What we'll typically see is incontinence. Um, you can have uh, fecal incontinence, urinary incontinence, we deal with, um, and then postpartum patients as well, prolapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with my mm-hmm. male patients, it could be scrotal pain, um, pelvic pain in general, um, and then yeah. all these, yeah. So that's what I was kind of specializing in uh, physical therapy and at UCSD. And then I put that program together.
0: Wow. And I am sure that there's quite a demand for that because I'm guessing there aren't that many of you.
2: Yeah. When Allie and I were in school, I just remember it being an afternoon um, in grad school Mm -hmm. that we were getting of public Mm -hmm. health. And it wasn't until, you know, in our clinical rotations where you get a little bit more experience. And honestly, it was Mm -hmm. just getting out there and, and seeing those patients and kind of building your own experience with it. Um, the one thing with, with pelvic health, it's a growing field and there's more interest, but it's a lot mm-hmm. of reading and kind of studying on your own time, um, and mm-hmm. reading about the conditions and different treatments that are out there. Um, that, but luckily the field is definitely gaining more interest. And I think mm-hmm. the DPT programs are actually making a better curriculum for it. So students are coming out a little bit more prepared mm-hmm. in that, in that specialty.
1: Yeah. And one thing I've um, always noticed when you talk about it, Megan, is that you really do emphasize that it's male and female. And a lot of these programs and a lot of pelvic health, I think just gets termed like women's health or women's PT. And there really is like, I mean, didn't, I think at one point you told me that you see just as many men. Yeah. Men and women. Yeah, Definitely. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, Um, I think it's good for just the general audience and public and nurses (laughs) to know, you know, what kind of conditions that you guys are helping with and, you know, what kind of certification because you went and took extra courses and became certified in this, like, straight out of graduation.
2: Right. I mean, um, there's a lot of continuing education programs you know, luckily if your, if your job won't help you pay, you kind of pay out of pocket and you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, eight, nine hour lab session days with other therapists kind of examining each other, um, and learning how to treat specific diagnoses that we see related to, um, the pelvic region.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is an example of, like when I think of pelvic floor issues, I think of <laughs> women that have had babies and then they yeah. have some problems afterwards. So like, what is an example of a postpartum mom, maybe, or an adult woman that you've treated and what what improved or what changed or what did you see? Um,
2: yeah, that's a great question. Uh, postpartum is very, very typical I would get referrals all the time from, um, luckily, OBs or um, Mm. even we're seeing the midwives sending referrals now, which is Mm. great. Um, Just a little Mm. side note, most European countries, um, when a woman has a baby, uh, pelvic uh, physical therapy is just part of the postpartum care. They automatically get sent and get evaluated. Um, Here in the States, we're not on that level yet. But um, Mm. yeah, so I would see referrals, Mm. mainly the referral would be for like a diastasis recti, which is just the separation Mm. of the abdominal wall, which every woman gets um, while she's pregnant. Um, So a typical assessment would just be getting kind of the history of the mom, looking, you know, how many children she's had, when did she deliver, um, what kind of delivery did she have? Did she have a vaginal delivery? Was there any trauma with that? any tearing? Um, was there a mm-hmm. C-section? Was it planned? Was it an emergency? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would kind of get a very extensive history on the patient. Uh, and then we do a full body assessment. We're looking at everything from posture all the way to the mm-hmm. feet and the pelvic floor. Um, mm-hmm. One thing with the pelvic floor, what makes us a little bit different than your orthopedic physical therapist is we actually do not just external assessment, but we also look um, internally. So we would do a vaginal exam of the tissues within the pelvic floor. um, Mm -hmm. And I would examine the strengths of those muscles and help moms kind of identify those muscles, right? Because a lot of these postpartum moms think Kegel, 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 and I need to do this, I need to do that. And it's kind of, yeah, my goal to bring it all back together. He's been carrying a baby for nine months that that brain body connections kind of on the back burner, let's kind of reevaluate and put those two together. So we're working a lot mm-hmm. on public floor control in conjunction with core control. Um, and it's really just personalized based on that mother's history and what her goals mm-hmm. are and then what my findings mm-hmm. look like. But a lot of time it's postural, it's uh, muscle weakness and just some coordination mm-hmm. that we need to work on. Um, mm-hmm. So day one would look like just identifying pelvic floor, your abdominal muscles. Mm -hmm. We work a lot on breathing and then we kind of progress into, um, daily activities and also just exercises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of my patients want to get back to running or doing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we help them get back to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rewarding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you love about working in this field? as opposed to all the others that you've worked with? Oh, gosh. I think something with physical
2: therapy, which is great, I've said before, is we're usually with that patient during like the hardest time of their life, and we're helping them Mm -hmm. get back to kind of who they were. And Mm -hmm. with pelvic health, a lot of my patients were pelvic pain, and they have been seen Mm -hmm. by so many providers that Mm -hmm. just don't really know what to do with them. So a lot of times the patients come to me and they're kind of like at the end of their, their rope a little bit and they don't know what to Mm -hmm. do with their pain. So, you know, there's a lot of, what is
0: often the cause of their pain that you find? It
2: can, it can come from a simple UTI um, that can Mm -hmm. kind of progress into pain and then it turns into a chronic type pain um, Mm -hmm. and it takes a toll mentally. Yeah. And then I have a lot of, patients with endometriosis um, that I treat yes and and then some women that have a baby they have pretty progressive tears and the tears Mm. cause um, a lot of superficial pain Um, one thing that's not talked about a lot is uh, prolonged use of birth control actually changes Mm. the tissues within the vulva and vagina itself Um, it can actually Mm. really dry it out it depletes the pelvic floor of natural estrogen, which makes hmm. it very dry in that region. And then that can cause hmm. pain. Um okay. and then it gets
1: very, very that happens chronic. And yeah. like with menopause too, right? Is that part? Of yes, the
2: exactly. I have a lot of um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, a lot of menopause women that are still sexually active or have a partner and they're having a lot of dryness, things like that, mm-hmm. that we work on. Um hmm. patients that have had sexual trauma um, patients mm-hmm. that, you know, wait for marriage to have intercourse and we're working on with them just getting used to having vag- vaginal penetration. We treat with dilators. We treat with, you oh know, just stretching goodness. of those, those tissues, those muscles. Yes. I mean, it's it's a lot
0: of,
2: a lot of things. Look <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: it's mind-blowing, <laughs> though, but it's I mean, it's great that, you know, there's someone that can help people with that. Yeah. Is the big I mean, it's a big problem, yeah, apparently. It's,
2: it's, it is a big problem, and there's a lot of um, men no. out there that are getting tossed around with urologists because they have this yeah. this pain in that pelvic region, and they keep thinking it's, you know, non-bacterial prostatitis. That's the diagnosis mm. I always get with my male patients, and it's typically mm. more or less a high-tone pelvic floor that we need to work on, not anything to mm. do with the prostate, so...
0: Really? Um, mm-hmm.
2: We do, yeah, we do a lot of um, pelvic floor retraining with our male patients. I also uh-huh. do soft tissue work externally and internally with male patients. Um, and we also have tools that they can use to kind of treat mm-hmm. their muscles internally as well. Um, mm-hmm. But we do a lot of external feedback, visual cues, a lot mm-hmm. of diaphragmatic breathing. Um, but as you wow. treat these patients, it's like, peeling back an onion and you're just learning more and more about these patients and mm-hmm. kind of diving in deeper as to where their pain started
0: yeah great. I, I heard a urologist talk about one time he said that the majority of his patients are women and he said he's not a urologist he's a bladder therapist yeah. <laughs> what do you think I, I, about? isn't that kind of funny Okay. It like, is funny because, but he, it, yes,
2: I mean, you're retraining the So bladder. much of it is
0: psychological, you know, oh, it seems huge, like. It's
2: a huge, a huge thing of that. Like, to give you an example, I have patients that are triggered by when they pull up to their house and they have to go to the bathroom and, they, and their bladder starts to contract and they, they'll pee on themselves. <laughs> or patients that take the <laughs> key to the door. Yes. And then, like, when you get in the shower, you should never pee in the shower because that running water can be a trigger to to say, okay, pee, so oh to get around some running water. Patients <laughs> that are doing the dishes and they feel like they have to pee because that water's running. You know, it's a oh lot, lot of retraining and a lot to do with weakness where the, the tissues around the bladder aren't supporting it enough or a tightness uh-huh. where your muscles are just too tight and they're still not getting that yeah. support and yeah, your bladder's, you know, taking the brunt of that. Um, <laughs> a big culprit too is what we eat and drink too can affect the bladder, yeah. yeah. Like,
0: like caffeine. Okay. Caffeine. (laughs) Do you
2: think anything, anything acidic? If you think of the bladder, like the the lining of the bladder. Yes. The lining of the bladder is like the inside of your cheek and it absorbs that acidity. So it could be coffee, tea, soda, you know, citrus fruit, any sugars can do it. Um, They can cause that feeling like you have to go pee. I mean, obviously coffee is a diuretic, but... Um, you know, it can cause that bladder to think it has to, it has to go, it has to contract. So avoiding what we call like bladder irritants can really make a difference. And I I work with patients, I give them a bladder diary, and they take me through their day, what they're eating, (laughs) what they're drinking, how they're peeing, you know, where they're peeing. And I get an idea of like how their day is going. And then I can help them fix, let's tweak this, let's tweak that. It's hard. Don't get me, me wrong, a, it's hard.
1: What's I, a normal amount of if you're properly hydrated, <laughs> what is a normal amount of visits to the restroom to urinate? So
2: so honestly, if you're drinking about half your body weight and ounces of water a day, you're pretty hydrated and that's uh-huh. great. Six to yeah. eight times a day is not abnormal. That's pretty normal for somebody that's that's naturally hydrated, that's really well hydrated.
1: So So throughout a, better like a way twelve to look hour at that, period. <laughs>
2: Well, a better way to look at that right. is when you go to the bathroom, like, how how long you're peeing, right? It's normal to pee between 11 to 13 seconds. So you're counting, like, one Mississippi, 13? two Mississippi. Oh. Yeah, like, you know how your bladder was full. Yeah. And men can actually pee a little bit longer.
1: Huh. So if you're so going you to know- the bathroom frequently and you're not <laughs> urinating for 11 to 13 seconds, you need bladder training. <laughs>
2: not necessarily not necessarily
1: I don't like to I don't
0: or you need a therapist but what if you already have a therapist should
1: someone like that come see you (laughs) Ali I've told you before
0: you definitely need to
1: come see me it's not me it's Paige (laughs) this girl
0: I mean it's you know the office more now not seeing so many patients (laughs) and that's probably a good thing she actually
1: blames it on all of her bedside nursing that she
0: (laughs) never went to the restroom. no I don't
1: you've said that I don't
0: think so
2: I think it's more about like you're sitting there and you feel this strong urge you have to go pee you run to the bathroom and then you sit down and you just pee for a few seconds but it felt like you were just dying to go those are the moments or like where you pee and then you think you're done and you stand up and you kind of dribble a little bit those are kind of yeah. signs that I'm looking for, you know. <laughs> but I, huh. I have patients that are peeing 15, 16 times a day. You know, those are the ones yeah. I'm looking at.
0: Because yeah, if you're peeing
2: I'm, eleven, I'm times looking at times one too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> as, long as, you, as long as your fluid, your fluid intake kind of matches up with your how many times you're going to the bathroom, it, it evens itself out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, good luck finding a pelvic therapists around here because there really aren't that many in this area yeah I I mean it's I I know a few in Orange
2: County and down here but I'm not too familiar with up there
1: I think only Loma
2: Linda there's one in well they're more postpartum yeah so it's hard to find
1: especially in rural areas it's hard to find this Specialties. Yes, Megan is from West Virginia. Oh, yeah. She didn't okay. quite tell. It. She was being humble in her introduction. Megan, how many years <sighs> did you serve in the Navy? Oh, I was in eight years. Yes. Eight. Wow. I did yeah. eight years
2: after high school. And she was
1: she was a corpsman. Wow. Yeah. Corpswoman. Yeah, corpsman, yeah, Corm- Corm-
2: hospital corpsman, which is yeah. it's nice because you could do radiology technician, physical therapy technician, optician Mm -hmm. tech, like you have all these little niches you can go. And Mm -hmm. I was a really big runner and I uh, messed up my knee and that's kind of how I stumbled into physical therapy. And I was like, this is a Mm -hmm. really fun place to work. Like I need to do this. And that was, you know, the start of kind of the physical therapy. And it's interesting. Mm -hmm. My physical therapist that time is actually my mentor that I spoke about earlier when I was in grad Mm -hmm. school years later. We kind I didn't of know that part. Yeah, I, I kind of ran into her later in life, and she oh. number one got me into physical therapy from the beginning, and then number two yeah. got me
1: into public health. Yeah. Interesting, and her friend got me into PT because she was my PT when I hurt my knee. It's a small, Wait, crazy say that again. Sorry. Yeah, your mentor's friend and Paul colleague. Talk louder, Allie your mentor's <laughs> friend and colleague was my physical therapist when I hurt my knee, and that's what led me into PT as well. Oh, um, great. That's cool. Yeah. It's, a, it's a small world. It is but a- anyway, thank really you for cool. your
0: service. And, oh, it was uh, fun um, while it lasted, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's so humble about it. Um, so are you still doing this kind of work, Megan? Or are you... Really tied up with your toddler, they can be quite time consuming.
2: So I I decided to take some time off, and I'm home with yeah. my son for for the moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I if I'm being honest, the the other job where I started the program, it was a lot. Um, we hired on some great therapists, um, so the program is still up and running. But right now, I'm yes taking some yeah. time with my son, and then I think. I'll eventually get back into the, the mix. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, she, yeah.
1: she doesn't sit still.
0: Well, that's really cool. Yeah. It's super hard to be at home. I'm sure starting up a new pelvic floor clinic is easier than what you're doing at home <laughs> with your toddler.
1: It's so. Uh, oh, that's hard. I don't know. Her kids are pretty well
0: behaved. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, he's, so he's exhausting.
1: It is cuz you know good. he's 22
2: months 22 months now and he's always wanting to be entertained and you're trying to keep him entertained oh, and yeah. educated and you just want to like eat five cookies and watch TV and not color <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: like go play by yourself for a minute. I'm going to need a break. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not going to nap, I will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh wait, that's <laughs> exactly. my problem.
0: Oh, oh man. Um.
1: Well, one thing we also like to touch on with our guest speakers is, um, you know, looking into healthcare, into the industry, and the profession itself. So looking forward, you know, the next two, five, 10 years, what are some of like the biggest challenges you see for us working in healthcare? Um, whether that's personal, professional, cultural, economically, what do you see as being some of those, um, big challenges for us all?
2: Um, I think the biggest challenge that comes to my mind, um, is comes down to the physical therapy schools, the programs. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. touching back on the specialty of pelvic health. If we can get Mm -hmm. more students early educated and more involved, we can get those students Mm -hmm. in clinical rotations, gaining that experience, that confidence to start treating um, pelvic health patients. I think that's part of what I'd like to see in the future, which I think is happening. Another big Mm -hmm. thing that you don't really know until you're in it, and when I started the program was, we had an open house. We, we went to job fairs. We went to meet with these doctors, mm-hmm. these urogynecologists, the urologists, mm. the OBGYNs. Mm. We had a meeting with mm-hmm. midwives to put the word mm. out that we exist. We want these patients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are the diagnoses yeah. we treat. So my hope is that in the um. future, the doctors in med school are learning about pelvic health and pelvic physical therapy, to know that they exist and we get these patients mm-hmm. referred and and the treatment that they need.
1: Yeah. I um recently switched my doctors down to Orange County when we moved down there. And um right outside of the OB's office and across from the urology is their own pelvic floor PT clinic. Wow. Its That's own. great.
0: That's great. Yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm.
1: It's going in that direction for you guys. And, you know, I think it was very interesting and exciting to watch you jump right in. And I think part of that, like you said, like the students need to gain the confidence um, and have some right. of those skills to go do that, because had you not had so much clinical experience before you went to PT school, I'm sure it would have been like a little bit right. slower for you to start and jump in because it's such a unique and smaller specialty yeah. and very personal.
2: And I think if I could give any advice, you know, mm-hmm. don't don't think that you have to have all of the classes, sit for, mm-hmm. you know, all the certifications, do all these things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You don't learn that way. You learn by getting in and treating those patients and seeing those patients. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you're interested in this public health, you know, environment, then, you know, read up on it and mm-hmm. see those patients, treat those patients. That's how you're going
1: to learn mm-hmm. how to help those patients. Mm-hmm. And so Mm -hmm. there's like certification levels, right? So how many levels can you do? Um,
2: It depends on what institute kind of you go through. I mean, the um, APTA kind of has their own certification. Herman and Wallace Mm -hmm. has theirs. Um, So it just depends on which route you take. Both of them have great courses, but there's this Mm -hmm. understanding that you have to have all these certificates to be treating these patients, and that's just not the case. I mean, technically yeah. all licensed physical therapy, you know, we can treat these patients. Obviously right. you have to go into more in-depth training to do
1: internal assessments, mm-hmm. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking this time to speak with us and educate us all oh, yeah. on your work for having and your me. experience. And um, yeah, we look forward Thanks. to having you back on the show at some point and learning even more.
0: Yeah. I feel for like sure. we need to have you back and have like Part tips two. and tricks and this is yes. what you do for this and this is how you treat that. And that is yeah, I mean, so interesting.
2: Definitely. We can, we can dive in a little deeper of
0: mm-hmm. certain diagnoses
2: yeah. and certain treatments you might see or,
1: yeah,
2: you know, something like yeah. that or something. A lot of, a lot of therapists, even orthopedic therapists are getting diastasis recti as a diagnosis, yes. and they kind of don't really know where to go with that, so even talking about that right. or, you know, where yeah. to refer, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. and so many of our patients are one of their biggest mm-hmm. issues is urinary issues, and it has caused their fall. It causes them to get up in the night, get, you know, frequent UTIs. It's like such a quality of life thing. They wind up with a broken hip and the elderly- all because of their bladder
1: and if they're really that's elderly, terrible. they just are given a catheter and that's it
0: for us, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's we mm-hmm. deal with so much mm-hmm. in this area. So it's pretty fascinating. So mm-hmm. thanks so much, Megan.
1: Yeah. Thank you for your yes. time
0: and all your knowledge. Thanks for having <laughs> Thanks
1: for having me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> all right. Well we'll let you go and uh we will hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Megan. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again for joining us here on Code Orange, the podcast that spills all the dirtiest stuff in the world. Please take a minute to like, rate, review our show or on whatever
0: platform you may be listening on. And you can learn more about us on our super amazing website, which is priorlevelhh.com. And check us out um, for our next episode. I'm sure you won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.
1: <laughs> we have yes. this constant banter, and she thinks that PTs don't help patients to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, how many butts have you wiped? Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many.
2: Say that again, I'm sorry I didn't hear you.